Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. Go. You said that so fast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel, and sitting across from me is... Mike Southern. Yes, the one and only. And this is Cinescape Movie Review. Today's episode is, of course, going to be about Logan, the third and final, well, supposed final Logan, or the Wolverine trilogy. The final Hugh Jackman, supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, look, <laughs> we could talk about other people that have supposedly done their last time, Michael Bay with Transformers or whatever, but... You throw enough money at someone, I could see them coming back for sure. Yeah. But he really se- seems like in interviews that he was done anyway. So this movie has been designed in a way for it to be Hugh Jackman's final ride. So um, we're going to talk about that film. We're going to talk about our flicks of the week, which mine is going to be the 2000 film Chocolat. Mine is Stir Crazy. All right. Stir Crazy with uh, Wilder and Pryor. Uh-huh. All right. And then uh, there's just a couple trailers that popped up. I didn't see any, any worthwhile news this that was worth talking about. Did you? All right, so so hopefully this will be a quick and easy one. This one won't be two and a half hours like the last one. I know. All right, so bear with us and uh, take it away. Bub. <laughs> that is just so befitting, isn't it? Ap- apropos, if you will. I didn't know. <laughs> Bub. Uh, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Meanwhile, how you doing? 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 All right, let's do it. All right, so of course this week we are talking about Logan, which um, dude, I look, there have been movies that we have seen the trailers for that they've given away the entire movie and we weren't really that excited to see them. Or give an example, uh, X Men Apocalypse. You pretty much saw the whole movie in the trailer and it didn't look like anything special. But this one was different. M- most movies, Triple X, yeah. Resident Evil, uh-huh. even going so far as saying Fist almost fight. split. Yeah, yeah, a lot of split too. So, um, but here's the thing with Logan: even though the trailers definitely give away a large chunk of the movie, made it very predictable in most of the regards. The trailers were also so goddamn perfect song selections for both of the the two main trailers and the Red Band tra- versions of those trailers and. I, I knew this movie was going to be bleak, it was going to be gloomy, but it was still so well put together, I was still hyped to see this movie. And we get to the movie. Now, I, look, I try to do this thing where I'm, I, I try to separate my review to the actual talking review about, you know, about the film, but there's something that I really noticed. Look, I, I read afterwards about how this movie is very comparable to Shane, you know, the, the classic Western, because they're even watching it in the movie, and then... During the end scene, the girl's reading um, a line from Shane. Right. Okay, when she's talking to the other kids. So, you know, the the old classic um, Western is a huge influence on this film, and Shane being the biggest of them all. Um, but I never, I've never seen Shane, so I didn't get those references because, like I said, I haven't seen it. But what it reminded me of, in a partially, was uh, 1992's Unforgiven by uh, Clint Eastwood. Right. Because... It was like the, you know, the old guy who's done, but he has to come back to do something that that triggers what he used to. And but more than that, it was it was something else. When I saw Forgiven, I was very young. I was only like fourteen, like fifteen years old, fourteen. Or 15, and I I I didn't fully appreciate Unforgiven at the time. I thought it was just why is everybody's best picture. Well, a couple years, a few years went by, and I watched it again, and I saw what what the big deal was about. There was there was an underlying tone with the film that I couldn't see as a child, you know, as a younger child, until I got older. Um, and Wolf, the, Logan is like that as well. Like if I if I had saw like I don't this isn't the kind of movie that I would take my kids to the drive-in to see. Even if they say, Dad, we want to see Logan. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take them because this is that kind of film where it's not for kids. And I don't mean just because of the violence and and the language. No, it's not that. It's the tone. It's the underlying tone of the entire film. You know, this whole film is is like sadness, regret, and loss, and everything. It's a, a child wouldn't get it. You know what I mean? 
a child would only get the action scene. And then there'd be all these boring moments in scene, those actions, where they're just like, oh, Dad, I'm bored. Can I go play at the playground thing or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you're watching The Dark Knight. You know, there's a lot of slow drama. And what I'm trying to say is, when I saw Unforgiven, and it took me years to finally appreciate it for what it was, this is one of those movies that I could tell that if I had, if it had come out when I was younger, or if I, I'm sorry, or if I was younger when I saw it, this movie, that I don't think I would I would totally appreciate it as much as I did now. And I noticed that for some reason that night, maybe it was because I was really stressed out before I got to the movie or whatever, but the emotional impact of the film, of of how the everything ends up by the end of the film, it didn't really hit me as a movie fan at the time. You know, I didn't start really when I started doing research on this movie to before I wrote my review and I started watching the trailers again, there was something different this and and I could tell I just um there was a I guess there was what you would call a delay in my reaction to this movie. Like I knew it was a good movie. I knew it from from start to finish. This was a goddamn good movie. But it still we've seen plenty of good movies where there wasn't there wasn't an emotional impact. Well, I kept I think I kept waiting for this this huge emotional impact to happen when I, throughout the film and for some reason it didn't hit me that way until after I had seen it. After a couple days after. Does that make sense? Yes. And you know what? That call it what you will, but maybe that makes the movie even more um special, more genius in its execution that it's not like the instant gratification to kind of film. It's one that makes you think about think about what's what these characters are going through, what they have gone through, and this end result. It's not the happy, you know. It's it's not this happy ending, you know. It's it's like the it's like the Saving Private Ryan ending, you know, like with Tom Hanks on the bridge when he says "Earn this" and right. things like that. It's it's sad, but it it leaves a glimmer of hope. That kind of and yeah. Once once I I finally thought back on this film and and how it ends up. I am truly going to miss Hugh Jackman playing Wolf. He was the perfect fit. Sure, people had their their problems with him, and I know, I know he, the height thing and all that stuff. But we grew to we grew to as people well, again. I mean, when you're thinking about it, yeah, in the comics, and and they even stated this in the movie. But, uh-huh. You know, half like most of this is all made up, and and it's not and it's not even accurate to a point as it is. Uh-huh. I can I can overlook certain thing wolverine's high which in in terms of comic books versus film there has to be some give and take you yeah. can't have a guy wolverine size in the comics running around fucking everybody up being a badass kind of like standing up to everybody no no I mean, there aren't many people that are wolverine size running around in the real world like glenn yeah. danzig yeah, do you know there was an actor I thought of that would have been a great fit for if they had done the, the casting, you know, back in 2000? Jackie Earl Haley. No. You don't think so? Like, no. Cause picture him when he played Rorschach. And the, no, he's the, too thin. The growly voice. Well, work the fucker out. No, again, he would have to gain like 200 pounds. <laughs> I mean, Jackie Earl Haley is 100 and, 120 pounds soaking wet, uh-huh. if that. Wolverine is more like 250. But he's small. Right, but he's still 250 pounds of muscle. Well, look, I mean, they made Hugh Jackman go to the gym hardcore. It, again, but Hugh Jackman is six whatever. It's not that hard to put on 20, 30 pounds of muscle when you're my height, your height, when you're already 200 pounds or, or more of muscle. It's just it's just the workout. It's the Dwayne The Rock Johnson workout. Well, it's you a movie, so you, you, they could have found a way to make him look you like You can't. That. You can't. It doesn't work. Unless you put on a fake rubber suit or whatever, and it, it for you, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked. You can't have a character like Wolverine played by someone like Jackie Earl Haley because it it doesn't fit the character. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't fit. He doesn't fit the character. When I when I think about him playing Rorschach, you know, and how gritty he was, I could see but him Rorschach, having the same personality as as Hugh Jackman's but Wolverine. But Rorschach isn't Wolverine. Jackie Earl Haley fits that character mold, like he fits the Freddy Krueger character mold, or or the subversive type being, you know, like a detective, like a Philip Marlowe type, or <coughs> a stalker type, you know. He he, he fits more like um, oh, what's his, the dude that can disappear in here, Nightcrawler. Oh, okay. He fits more Nightcrawler. Yeah, he fits more the Kurt Wagner Nightcrawler or someone along that line. Maybe Iceman. Maybe. You know, that body type, that style, not Iceman in particular, but at least Kurt Wagner or characters similar to that nature. 
these subversive um you know what he uh, the question if you've ever watched DC the the Justice League mm-hmm. you know, uh the question who was voiced by Jeffrey Combs and he is this conspiracy theorist okay Jackie Earl Haley would fit that type of mold or um the shadow or something like that. All right, you know what here let me correct myself then because okay no, height, I'm height, not, I'm height saying... well no no height I know I I get the height thing all right but I think no, your opinion's your opinion but voice wise I think uh, he would have been a great Wolverine like for cartoon for animated yeah okay I can see that but I, yeah face wise I mean you can only buff him up enough whereas in his body he's only going to get a certain size right all right I can see that yeah it's just it's just not going to work for the size of a character you know that he needs to be. But here, over he's, 17 he's years- He's a fucking linebacker, yeah, let's o- face it. Over 17 years, we've all grown to love Hugh Jackman. Not everyone. Well, there might be a few haters out there. I'm but, sure there are. But majority-wise, everyone loves him as as well. He grew on us. You know what I mean? It it fit. So I know I'm trying to get, you know, do these comparisons to- that, Those were the inspirations. Um, this movie is like a Western. You know, it's like a road trip Western, just modernized or futurized. So it's set. 12 years in a future based off of the death of... And from what I read, it's supposed to be dystopian, which I always forget what dystopian... Isn't that mean like more government reign, like a more oppressive? Yeah, bleak. And there's there's a lot of signs of that of that bleakness, you know, like with the auto trucks, you know, on the on the road, how they had no that drivers. That was pretty cool. That was, that was creepy. I mean, I'm watching the movie and see the trucks drive by and I'm like... Yeah. Um, I kept looking at those, yeah. Where, are, are those free-floating freight trucks? Yeah. What just, the fuck is that? It was just, like the was just car- like yeah, it was like the cargo beds only. Yeah, and I'm like okay, that's cool. Yeah, and and then uh, you know Logan called them auto trucks. Yeah, he goes goddamn right. And uh, all right, so dystopian is uh yeah everything is unpleasant or bad. Typically a totalitarian. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, well, people are still allowed to gamble. <laughs> they had a casino there. So uh, this is not your typical. What I I rem- and I I did not put this in my is look. What was it, four years ago? We went and saw The Wolverine, right? And we both liked how the first two-thirds of the movie didn't feel like your standard superhero movie. It felt like more noirish, you know? And then putting uh, Wolverine into an environment was great. And then you had that shitty third act with the Silver Samurai slash Shredder. And then it just was meh, right? right? This time around, it's like if you go in order with these movies... You know, Origins. Look, I still like Origins, but it's still it, but it's got a gang shitload of problems. I, I definitely it's the worst in the whole trilogy. And then you have the Wolverine. Nobody liked X. We'll say nobody, but a lot of people did Origins. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can see the problems with it, but um, and then the Wolverine was much better, but then it leaves a bad taste in your mouth with the shitty ending. And then and then you get to this movie, and this movie has a, a very good first act, a very good second act, a very good third act. This whole movie is good from start to finish, you know. It, and like I said, it's predictable, but yet it, it most movies in a way are going to be predictable because we've seen everything, so it's okay. I, I mean, I pretty, pretty much without all the little bits and pieces, I knew how this movie was going to end for the most. Really, you yeah. knew that he was going to? Well, yeah, I was expecting it. They, they keep saying one last <laughs> ride, okay, with with the marketing thing, right? One last ride, and um, and then also just. You know, uh, Hugh Jackman doing that quick tweet while he was filming saying, Old Man Logan, hashtag Old Man Logan. Right. Right. And things like that. Dropping little hints. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and then the, the the trailer sold me. Like, they made it seem really sad and that this was going to be the final movie. I mean, there was plenty of times where we thought, like, the scenes were um, in the trailer where Patrick Stewart's Professor Xavier, he's, like, using his his mind powers. You see the guys behind him, you know, the Reavers behind him with the, with the assault rifles. Uh-huh. I thought that that was his death scene from the trailers. Like, they were being shot. Right? And it's not, but still, it, it gave you that feel that this, this movie is going to be more tragic than hopeful. And that's what it is. It's like it's like the shootist in a way or, or something where this guy who's had a rough life, he's on his last. He has, he has, yeah, he has like this one last chance to redeem himself. And it doesn't matter if he lives or not. He just needs to do this. He needs to do this right thing to, to right all the wrongs. of. And there's, and look, I don't think you can get into any Wolverine movie where it goes into a whole lot of depth into the, into what what Logan is feeling. I mean, it's got moments here and there, but most of the time, it's by his actions and by his facial expression. Um, and that you know that makes it more interesting. It's like um, this trilogy, in a way, is kind of like the Man with No Name trilogy, you know, with Clint Eastwood. And you know, it, it ends on this great note. Like I said, this last one is like a western, and. Each movie, Wolverine's different in a way. He's the same, but he's different, what he's dealing with. And this final time, 
it's like th- this hopelessness, you know, he's just going through the motion of, because everything else is gone, right? Gene is dead. All the, all the X-Men are dead. All the mutants are pretty much, and all he has left is Professor X. He's taking care of him. And it's just sad. It, you know, one of the most poignant mo- moments in the movie is when, um, when Wolverine has to take Professor X to the bathroom, you know? To go, you know, and, and how he's just helpless. I mean, he's already, I mean, look, he's already in a wheelchair, so he's already helpless in that regard. But still, this is different. This It's like he, you know, before Professor Xavier would be able to handle that on his own. Right? Now he can't. He has to. Have, and this, that, and that's why this movie is so good and so ballsy is because you never would ever expect to see these characters so beaten down and so much of a shell of their former glorious selves like you you do in this movie. I think the only movie you, I could think of off the top of my head that ever came close to doing this because I'm talking about live action is not I would I would say The Dark Knight Returns but that was only in animated form. Um I would say Watchmen, you know, where it showed some of the old a few of the old, you know, superheroes like like the comedian and right. stuff like that, right? You know, where you know, he dies at the beginning of his loft apartment. Um so yeah, you don't get and that and that's why that that The Watchmen was so intriguing is because of things like that, you know? It, it didn't just stay in the, the glory time, you know? The good versus evil time. It went past that. That's what this movie does. It goes way past all the events of whatever else is going to happen, and, and it goes to this bleak future. And there's just this glimmer of hope, which in the form of uh, X-23, you know, Laura. Right. And you don't even know if she's worthwhile for a lot of the movie, because she's such a wild such a wild card for, for most of the, for at least the first half of the film. Cause you know, she's very unpredictable and, and impulsive. You know, is it worth keeping her alive or not? But you know, because in, and, and it's like professor Xavier needed to be in most of this film to keep reiterating to Wolverine that she's very much like you and you need to give her a chance. We need to save her. We need to get her to this place. And it was funny because the trailers made it seem like Xavier might just be a figment of, of Wolverine's imagination like he's already been dead for a while, and he's just a, like a, his conscience speaking to him. That's the, the vibe I got from it. I don't know if you did or not. What in the trailers when Xavier was, you know, before we saw the movie, um, when Xavier's talking to him, it always seems like he's only talking to Wolverine. Like maybe he's just a figment of Wolverine's imagination. No, I didn't. No, you never got that. I, no. I kind of did. That's what I felt. I wouldn't doubt. Like if while we're watching the movie, you find out that you know. I mean, look. Right, the first time they show Xavier, you already know that he's real. So then it, it nips that in the butt. Just, but that's what the trailer. So, um, but yeah, it, it's like a lot of times I would get pissed off that a movie doesn't explain enough of what happened in the past, like in between the previous X Men movie and what's happening now in Logan. But the mystery of it all, just just the little hints of what happened and things like that, that it makes the movie so much more effective because it adds to the whole mystery of it. And it, it just, I don't know. It adds to the aura of the whole, the whole gloomy. So, um, I've been hogging this whole fucking thing. You say something. Movie. What do you want me to do? <laughs> well, cause you, when we walked out of the theater, you also said that this was, yeah. I mean, I was, su- I was surprised. Um, after the success of Deadpool and this is, and here's, here's where the problem is going to lie. So moving forward, yeah. Fox actually did a really good job with pricing. Yeah. They, allowed, they, they allowed the story to just develop on its own. Yeah. And that was good. Um, I, I, don't have, I don't have anything bad about this movie. There's nothing about this movie that makes me go, ugh, they shouldn't have done this or they shouldn't have done that. Um, the opening scene sets the tone. Yeah, definitely. Where, you know, these guys are hijacking, you know, or they're trying to steal the rims off of his car. Yeah. And he it's gets all pissed off. <laughs> yeah. And and he fucking he's he's had it. So instead of you know, he he's trying to, you know, be buddy buddy basically yeah. and just trying to calm the situation. Hey, you know, hey guys, just walk away. Yeah. Just walk away. Fucking Those. dude shoots him right in the stomach <laughs> with a with a shot or the chest with a shotgun. Yeah. And he gets back up and he's like, okay, you're fucking done for now. Yeah. We, we, never got, we never got a clue as to really what is killing him, but we, we understand. It's hinted at like um, kind of like the thing that makes him strong is now what's killing him, like the adamantium. Right. Is poisoning him. Right. Yeah. So that, and that was cool. Um, the, the story, it didn't drag. Mm-hmm. There was no moments of the story just dragging. The guy that played Caliban was great. Yeah. You know, he's a mutant tracker, and then all of a sudden there are no mutants. Yeah, Stephen Merchant. Um, you ever remember that show, uh, Hello Ladies, on uh, HBO? Uh-huh. That was no. him, the main actor. Never that. watched. <laughs> Thank you. 
So I, um, he's been in a bunch of other. Yeah, he, he's he's really really good. But what surprised me was this girl Daphne. Who Daphne played, Keen, yeah, yeah, she plays the new Wolverine, if you want to call her. Yeah, that. Laura. And and her reactions to the scenes. You know, she doesn't talk for the first three quarters of the fucking movie. Yeah. And it's, I mean, she screams mm-hmm. and whatever else, but it's not the point. I mean, when she goes on her murder rampage, fucking great. Yeah. You know, it shows how lethal her character was mm-hmm. or is. It shows that she's she's basically a feral being, an orphan. She trusts nobody yeah. except for, and even then, Professor X is damaged beyond belief. Yeah. And he's the one that, that fucking killed everybody. On the East Coast, and that's why they had to flee Wolverine. In my opinion, his character was the most <laughs> tragic character of the film. Yeah, and it's it's it's, it's one last road, you know, buddy trip. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to get to Eden, which is in North Dakota, which doesn't exist. Yeah, everybody believes exactly. It it's a great take on how we can get anybody to believe anything at any time mm-hmm. through whether it's comic, right? Yeah, spin it any way we want. We'll believe it enough, it then it exists. You know, it's the old adage, if you believe you're right, then yeah. <laughs> no matter how how many times people try to prove. Yeah, and they never explain why Canada is so um, uh, closed off. Like these, you know, these these reavers, these these hunters um, that are from this corporation, they they know that they have to get to before they get over the border. Well, the, the reavers are, they're technically not with a corporation. If you, the comics and stuff like that, mm. they are hired mercenaries. That are used to kill mutes. Uh-huh. So. But, yeah, but I, you know, it's like they even the the scientist, the lead scientist that's that's with them at the end of the film, you know, he's like, we have to get them before they get to the border. You know, there's like they never explain what's on the other side of this border that keeps them that would keep them from pursuing. You know, right? Like it's all up to imagination. Now, there's something I read from. There's like all these theories on certain things. The th- one of the theories is that there's a Canadian X Men from the comics called like Delta. There's Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight. I think that's what. It is. Well, if you watch, if you look in the credits, uh-huh. there is a piece in the credits where it's scrolling by, uh-huh. and it says Alpha something, and then right below it, it says Flight. Okay. So, and, and they were animations. Hmm. So it it actually says it in the credits, Alpha Flight. Okay. So yeah, that was that was one of the little Easter eggs they they they, they hinted at being possible. Um, but yeah, it was there was just all this uncertainty with the entire film, and that added to the the tension of it all. Right. Because anyone could go at any time. It felt like you know, it felt like Logan could die at any Professor X or the girl or anybody. You know, it. Um, I I I I, <laughs> I love a good villain. Everybody loves that loves movies loves a good villain. And Boyd Holbrook was excellent in his role. Um, he's, you know, he's that guy, you know, he's, he's, um, he played a character named Donald Pierce where he, he has this, this, this arrogance to him because he always thinks that he has the upper hand at all times, right? Like he already, he's like, kind of like, kind of like Negan in a way, you know, from, from the, well, the Walking Dead where he, he's always a step ahead and he knows that no matter what you do, he's going to always have an answer. And so you should pretty much just give up because he's going to win. He's the most confident, arrogant asshole of the film. So my guess is that a lot of a lot of the movie and a lot of, yeah, a lot of the movie was taken from the comic, uh, The Death of Wolverine and Old Man Logan. That's kind of mixed together. Uh-huh. Because the premise of The Death of Wolverine is a, a virus from the microverse causes Wolverine's mutant healing factor to burn out and stop working, which allows enemies from his past to finally kill him. The series is followed by a number of aftermath miniseries that chronicle Wolverine's friends and for his death. These series lead into a weekly Wolverine series. Um, I'm trying to get to the Dr. Abraham Cornelius, founder of the Weapon X. Uh, Wolverine travels to paradise with thing, Wolverine's healing fact. Wolverine longer has it. On hearing this, Cornelius is pissed off. Wolverine defeats him in his latest experiment. In desperation, he tries to escape by activating the bonding three other inner shatters. Uh, the whole story is that X-23 takes over, um, for Wolverine uh-huh. when he dies. So, theory is my theory, uh-huh. because there's also a theory going around that Wolverine, he's a mishmash of a bunch of different, okay? Okay. <laughs> because he has different pasts, different memories, and all this other stuff. So, it goes through. Yeah. So, what if Wolverine does die, okay? He dies continuously, but what happens is that when he dies... Another Wolverine gets activated. Another X Weapon X gets activated after a memory dump. Okay. So Wolverine's memory gets dumped. They well they or they find the body. Yeah. Bring him back. Dump the memory into the new Wolverine, where 
it's now just a mix of fucking multiples. Yeah. And he goes on thinking that's still Wolverine, mm-hmm. right? And this continues on. So Old Man Logan can be construed as, even though it's the last ride, it really isn't the last ride because this version of Wolverine is dying. Yeah. Because the healing factor is not strong enough as the original because he's a clone. Yeah. But he still has all of Wolverine's memories. So the the original dies, and they keep cloning him. Yeah. And they show that in the fucking movie that there is another X-23 because they released him. Yeah, X-24. Yeah. No, it's not X-24. They use him as X-24 because X-23 is still alive. Logan is X-23. They call the little girl X-23. No, no, no. Fucking Logan is X-23. You're not listening. Logan is X-23. The girl, they just named her X-23 in this other fucking hospital. Because she's an offspring of Logan. Okay. X-23 took the mantle of Wolverine, but old man Logan was brought into service as an X-Men and featured in his ongoing. So follow along. <laughs> X-23 gets activated after that happens. Okay? So he is now Logan. So in the movie, as you see him growing and dying in the movie, and then they activate the other Wolverine that was in the trailer, and and they have to inject him with that, that healing virus shit. Yeah. Because... The clones are starting to um, degenerate. Yeah. They don't have the healing factor of the original body, which has long since perished. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of made a, a joke on my um, my review about, uh, <laughs> about yeah, this might be Hugh Jackman's final time, time playing the Wolverine, but I think, uh, you know, there might be a little uh, thing with Cable and Deadpool, you know, going back to save Wolverine aware and just having, having a... Possible. Yeah, because, you know, the time traveling thing. So I wouldn't doubt it. If they did it in some kind of clever way. And, you know, um, so, yeah, dude, this movie was just, it was just, yeah, it was really good. Like I said, it was predictable because of the trailers giving away a lot of the storyline, but not everything. You know, it didn't have everything that you, you would think. It would just, you know, I mean, look, the, the whole family thing, the the farmer family, that was predictable, of course. I knew they were all going to die. Right. Um, but... It it was like it was like I you know I wonder if if it, if Xavier knew that it, this was going to happen to the family, but it was still needed to like happen for for them to have one nice evening before it's a shit. Maybe you know I, I I don't know, but it was just yeah everything. I mean that you know the way that Xavier dies in the movie is you know it's not like some big glorious thing like like if you if you go back to X Men the Last Stand. When 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 Professor X gets k- killed by Jean Grey by the Phoenix, you know they make it like this big epic moment, right? You know where he looks at Wolverine and all of a sudden he just bursts into just he disintegrates, right? It was epic. Well, this time it wasn't epic. There was nothing epic about the death of of Charles Xavier in this movie. It was it was fucking sad, and it wasn't it. Is uneventful the right word? I'm not sure, but. It was still that was the I think that was the whole point of it being uneventful is that he's uh, he I mean he dies with this regret you know and re- and he remembers that that the the event that happens in Westchester is his fault right you know that they hinted about in the movie um and that you know there, there's no going back from that and so he he dies with this regret thinking and also thinking that Wolverine is the one that stabbed him you know when it's not actually Wolverine it's it's but he a, didn't he no he didn't. For that moment, he thought that Wolverine was stabbed him because he gets right <laughs> over him. But it was, you know, it was, of course, it was X-24. And it's just, it's tragedy. You know what I mean? There is no happy, there's no happiness to this movie. And that's another reason why it's so good. It's because in that regard, there isn't, there, there's not that predictability with that. Right. So, yeah, it, um, you know, bravo over to Patrick Stewart for what he did in this. You know, bravo to fuck everybody, dude. Everybody was really good in this. Everybody. It was, you know, it was just uh, they need to make more superhero because after seeing a film like this done this way, kind of hard to go back to a movie like, say, X-Men Apocalypse, take it seriously, you know? I could never take X-Men Apocalypse shit movie. Yeah, but now it's even more shit, if you know what I mean. It that it just makes it even more just too grand scale to take seriously. Anyway, um... All the action scenes were awesome. I loved, the, you know, the the just the, especially the part at the end, man. When he, I mean, the slow motion scene in in the hotel was was badass. When he's dispatching all those guys get, uh, trying to stop uh, Xavier, right? But that scene at the end, man, where he takes the shot and he just becomes his old, just you know, feral. You know, your word for the night, feral self, right? Like it just just goes buck wild on them for just a few minutes before you know it finally 
dies back down again. And then, and then when they show the X twenty four, I don't, I don't know if you you noticed it or not, but it, to me, it seemed like the X twenty four was made to look very similar to his brother from the first movie. You know, Sabretooth, played by Liev Schreiber, mm-hmm. like the facial hair and stuff. It just it seemed kind of no. kind of familiar to me. But anyway, whatever. That's what it kind of reminded me. Uh, but I I like the fact that that the X-24 was made to look way younger and it was different. Just badass. This movie was badass and, and it shows that you can make this kind of movie. If you actually take take time to grow some balls and just present it the way it should be presented. You know, because we should have seen Wolverine being able to dispatch people this way a long time. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with making PG movies and whatnot, but when you have a character like Wolverine fucking slices and dices, you have to you have to amp it up. Yeah. You have to make it an R-rated movie in order to properly present the character. Yeah. I mean, look, you go you go back to the 97 Spawn. Now, that movie should have been R-rated. It should have been able to do what Spawn was supposed to do with the storytelling, you know? that It was awful. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It, it's supposed to... There's a reason why Spawn does what he does and why the, the way the world is. The PG-13 movie couldn't touch on most of that stuff, all right? Um, you know, then you had Blade in 98, but that showed that you could do an R-rated movie, but it still didn't make that huge amount of money. But they, it was like they were too afraid to even try again, except with Punisher in 2004, and that wasn't a very good movie anyway. Yeah, but, I mean, your mistake, this is what a lot of people know as well, you're mistaking violence, it's not. You have to write a movie just because... You can write a fucking great Spawn movie that you don't have to necessarily show all the violence. That doesn't, you can do all that off screen. What makes the movie the character and the story. And that's what's, that's what differentiates Deadpool and, and in this one, Logan, from 90% of, even, even the regular MCU. Cause let's face it, this movie is superior in a lot of ways to most of the MCU. Uh huh. Just, and because they were given leeway to let the character just play out. Yeah. Not the violence. That's, I mean, that's part of it. But the overall story, you know, mm-hmm. this makes Iron Man, this makes Captain, well, Captain America is a whole different. I don't want to get into that because that, in the first Captain America was a superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that one had excellent character development. But Captain America 2 was a good movie. The Civil War was a good movie. But I think Logan's a better movie than that. Well, because it also takes the, it takes the chance that, that Civil War was afraid to take. There you go. It takes a risk. Mm-hmm. It kills a main character. It kills more than one. Right. But it gives, it gives more definition to these characters, too. It isn't just, you know, a run-and-gun type of, of movie. It is, but it isn't. <coughs> because it starts off with Wolverine being an alcoholic. Yeah. The, the dude's just drinking. Also, if they die, it makes their actions more resonant. Yeah, that way too. You know, in Civil War, I mean, look, look, Civil War was really good, but still, no one dies in that movie. Right. It's just just another fight. Yep. Just another big fight. It looks great and it's yeah. funny. I'm entertained while I'm watching it, but still, no one died. You know, they made they made it look like at the end of the movie that either Bucky, Captain America, or or you know well, Tony but, Stark was one of them was going to die, and then no one fucking dies. But the thing is, is that Bucky and Captain and Iron Man didn't die in Civil War. Yeah. Captain America did. He was shot and killed. <laughs> but yeah. they didn't take that chance. So Yeah, the movie didn't take the chance. And, and that's fine. Acceptable. They that's the way that they wanted to present the the material. I can I can live with that. But this movie apart from as I was saying, apart from the violence, okay? Even though it was important, actually was very important to the movie. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't an, an egregious killing here and there. It plays a role in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> if more more superhero movies were like this, like I said, you don't have to have an R-rated violent gore fest. Yeah. You can make a PG or PG-13 movie and still have it this good, you know? Well, it seemed like with this movie, with every violent scene, except for the first scene. With the exception of the, the amount of fucks that were in. Yeah. That threw me off. <laughs> that was really funny. But, the, the you know, look, you can't count the first violent scene because you know that he's going to live longer than that. But with every scene after that, it was like every scene of extreme violence, it was like live or die. Right. You know, and it was important. He was fighting for his life every single time. When you watch- Not just his life. Well, yeah. And he's fighting for the other people around him. And the other movies, it's like, well, I don't think he's going to die. He might get tranquilized or something, you know, and then then captured and taken somewhere. Right. But this movie, no. He could die at any fucking moment. Right. And And that makes it more important. 
And, yeah, and that's what drives the movie. Yeah. Because you know that these guys are out. The bad guys are out for blood. Yeah. They are out to kill. When Caliban fucking releases the grenades. See, that was unexpected. Uh-huh. I did not expect him to to grab the grenade mm-hmm. and fucking suicide out. Yeah. Because that was a nice thing. Yeah. You know, he, he he's re- you think, oh, he's going to reach for it. He's going to throw it out of the truck to save himself, right? Yeah. And blow up all these other guys. And he's a hero. Yeah. No, and he's just like into the... Out of the frying pan, into the fire, or whatever yeah, he said, it's right? it's like and each character- Boom. Each of these three main characters of of Caliban, Professor X, and Wolverine, they had to redeem themselves in one way or another. In, in a sense. And so Cal, that's how Caliban redeems himself. And Xavier redeems himself by by making, by making getting Wolverine to help her, help right. the girl, because he can't do it himself. Right. But, I mean, I don't think he's really redeeming himself. He's, he's playing the conscience. Yeah. But but in, in in he still ends up redeeming himself because of it. Yeah, in, you know, in but, a sense. But yeah. you know, and then of course what Wolverine does is redeem himself by by doing the right thing, by doing the Mad Max thing. You know, because this movie ends up to me kind of like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Right. You know, by saving the Lost Boys kind of thing. But yeah, it was good. It was it was sad. It was it, it was it was fucking good. Dude. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize how how good it was until after. Yeah, and and like I said. A lot of studios could take take this movie as a as a blueprint and make good movies again, you know. Yeah. But they're not going to, you know. And and we're getting the reports like you know Tom McFarlane says, oh, the new Spawn is going to be even more violent and bloody. You know what my prediction else. is? This is my prediction. There's going to be this huge spurt of just a shitload of R-rated comic book movies that uh-huh. have come out, and a bunch of them are going to flop because they were rushed. Right. Right. And they didn't have content, you know. They didn't have substance. They just yeah. had content, right? And then, then it's going to make them all go back down to PG thirteen again. Yeah, exactly. You are absolutely right. You know, it's 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 because no one thinks about the fucking long run. It's all about in the moment. Yeah, the trend. Yeah, and 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 we're we're as guilty of that as anybody else. But <laughs> with with the movies in and of itself, yeah, we're going to get hammered with a whole bunch of R rated movies. Some will be okay. Some are going to be fucking shitty. Yeah, you know. But every one of them is going to be based off of the fact that they can say fuck, and then that there's going to be a ton of blood. Yeah, you know, not not story, just fucking heads rolling. You know, body parts flying everywhere. Yeah, and no story. Hopefully, I mean, look, I that we know it's going to go that way. Hopefully, it doesn't. But no, it's going. It's to. going to. <laughs> Well, that's Hollywood for you. So, but at least before that trend is going to hit us, at least we've gotten two really good R-rated. We're going to get another one too because Deadpool's coming out. Yeah, the, the Deadpool. Deadpool sequel. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, yeah, I'll talk about that one. But uh, all right, so I I gave uh, I gave the movie an eight out of ten. So did I. All right, I'm very, right there with you. Very good. Um, as of today, it is at a 93 approval rating. And I think, uh, what did we give on Logan? We gave, I gave it 82 and you gave it 73. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I mean. Close enough. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're within um, a single. So, yeah. We uh, both uh, pretty much predicted it was going to be good. Game. So, yeah. Excellent. I you, didn't expect it to be this good. You know, I expected it to be above normal Like good. the trailers made it look way better than it was. Yeah. But yeah, it's, no, Logan is awesome. If you love Wolverine, best film of the, of the series goes out on powerful so, all right. Um, next up is uh, Flicks of the Week. Mine is the 2000 film Chocolat, which is a, it's a Miramax film. Um, it's one of those films that uh, you only hear about every once in a while. Someone will mention it on a TV series. Like some characters say, oh, have you ever seen Chocolat? Or, or you know, like someone, there was some movie I watched where you go, have you ever seen Johnny Depp in Chocolat? You know, and that's the funny part is because Johnny Depp is on the cover of the movie. But he doesn't show up until about halfway through the film. It's like a two-hour movie. He shows up halfway through, and then and then he's only in there for another quarter of the movie, and then he's gone again for the last quarter of the movie. So, Lo- or, so, so yeah, Johnny. this is not a Johnny Depp movie. This is a Juliette Binoche movie. All right, famous French actress. And it's set in 1959. I, I've always heard Binoche. I'll just say Binoche. Uh, it's set in 1959, uh, French Village. Um, where the um, you know the 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 religion there is it's Catholicism. Uh, it's run by a mayor who pretty much dictates. He's not a he's not a dictator, but he's you know he still controls the way things are run in the town. He tells the 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 pastor who does the, you know the weekly sermons. He tells him how to think. You know, I mean, what to say during his sermons like that. Um, the character of Juliette Binoche 
which her name is Vienne. Um, she comes in with her with her with her um, teenage daughter, or very I don't know if she's teenage, but she's very young. Uh, comes in with her daughter. She's a single parent, which everyone at that time you know was like, oh, she's got you know she doesn't have a father for the kid, you know, judgmental already, right? And she she starts up her own chocolate business now. Well, it's called a, like a um, a chocolatier or whatever the fuck I can't remember all, but it's a, it's his own little little store that sells specialized <laughs> chocolate, and she's really good at predicting what kind of chocolate. And you know, they're all individually wrapped, and they're very very elegant in their presentation. Um, she shows up and starts this business right in the middle of, which no, you know, I guess uh, Lent is a period where you're supposed to be inhibiting yourself more than your religion's already inhibiting you. You give up. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. So you're inhibiting yourself even more. Um, so, um, and then to the dismay of the mayor who doesn't like this chain and he starts convincing people around the town that she's a, she's sent by the devil, but not in such harsh words, you know, just more like he wants her out of there because she's being chained. And what happens is over time, she's slowly like people are starting to learn that to experience life and not just like stuck in their own own little ruts you know like marriages or 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 whatever it is you know it's about experiencing she she reaches she 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 runs into a lot of opposition because of it um but there are people that are supportive that come around throughout the film there's uh, a character play, played by judy dench who's this old lady who's um she's bitter about her um her daughter who's played by carrie m keeping her grand um, grandson away from her because she doesn't because Carrie Ann Moss's character doesn't agree with her lifestyle you know of her you know, go to the doctor and and not you know reading the religion and blah 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 right so um, there's another character played by Lena Olin who um, she gets away from her husband played by Peter Stormare because he's abusive and she starts she lives with um, with uh, Bonosha's character at, at her chocolatery and there's a missed opportunity with this film and I don't know why it didn't go farther into it because this is Miramax. Miramax in 2000 had the balls to to go the gay and they don't do it with this movie. There's this this sexual vibe between Benoche's and Lena Olin's character where I, I keep waiting for it to happen. The whole time that they're talking to each other and and Benoche's is opening up her mind, you know, but um Olin's mind to uh, to you know not having to to be married if she doesn't want to be, you know, and things like that. And there's this connection between them. And I swear to God, there's this vibe, but it doesn't, it never comes to fruition because out of nowhere, that's when Johnny Depp's character shows up and then she falls for him instead. And Johnny Depp is, he's uh, considered a, a gypsy because he, you know, he, he lives on a boat, a river boat that just keeps traveling around, around France or whatever. Just go to port to port and, you know, just experience life and then move on. Right. Um, and people hate him because he's godless and thing too. Right. And there's, uh, there's more scenes like that throughout the entire movie. Uh, after watching, I, when I was coming close to the end of the film, I, I noticed something that the it was there's a movie that came out 15 years prior to this one that has a very similar premise. You know, if you think about someone who comes from out of town to a a religious uh, a religion inhibited society, and then introduces something else that makes people start to you know broaden their minds a little more and have a better time with a better time enjoying their lives. What's a movie like that? The one that popped, the one that popped into my head was Footloose. This is this movie is like fucking it's like it's like Julia Binoche is the Kevin Bacon of this movie, and she comes in with her chocolate instead of her music and dance, and she liberates the town. And Alfred Molina, who plays the the mayor, he is the John Lithgow of the movie, you know, where he's trying to turn everyone against her and, and stuff like. Um, so this movie's kind of like Footloose, you know. It's a, but I mean, there's no big dance numbers. Uh, but yeah, it's this movie. When when it when it when you get to the end of it, it's like I wouldn't go so far as to say, oh, it should have won Best Picture and blah 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 blah. It's not like that. It's just more like it's like a it's like a cool breed that you walk into and it just makes you feel refreshed and calm. Does that make sense? Sure. That's Chocolat. I've never watched them. Chocolat has this charm to it that just makes you feel relaxed and you're enjoying it the entire time. Whether it's it's, it's a scene of of turmoil for her care for um for Julia Binoche's character or or it's just scenes of people enjoying chocolate and talking and having it it's that is just a very comfortable movie and I really like chocolate uh it is currently on Hulu it has a 63% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes um like I said don't expect it to be a Johnny Depp movie but it is not he does show up and when he's in the movie he is absolutely great but just remember this he's not the main point of the all right so it is currently on hulu uh check it out chocolate all right 
Uh, my pick of the week is Stir Crazy, starring Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. They are. <laughs> it's the can't stand one. It's the first movie that they've been in together since Silver Strike. Okay. Prior to. Um, <clears throat> in my opinion, it was directed by Sidney Poitier. Richard Pryor plays a character named Harry Gene Wilder. Skip is a writer, is an actor. They happen to get fired from their jobs. So instead of staying around New York, they just for Hollywood, which basically takes a turn for the worse. As they're doing this little road trip, they take a job to uh, pay for it. And when they get to Arizona, it says Woodpeckers, <laughs> and do a song and dance for a local bank, you know, kind of like the sign flipping board guys. Yeah. <laughs> and the problem is, is that when they're on break, two men steal their suits these woodpeckers and yeah. rob the bank. <laughs> so Harry and Skip are convicted of the robbery. Now, what's funny is, is that because Gene Wilder plays this character who's, he hates life, basically. He's just, he's one of those guys that <clears throat> everything sucks. And then he gets to jail, right? And it seems to calm him. The place is just, you know, he's, he loves it. He, he gets three square meals a day. He doesn't have to worry about anything. Uh-huh. And nothing gets him down. Okay. <laughs> Even to the point where they put him in solitary confinement, and then you know the prison guards come out yeah. and they decide to you know, check on him, and and they pull him out of solitary. <laughs> Wilder goes, you know, could I go back in there for one more day? I was just beginning to find myself, you know. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what the fuck is going on with this? They they find out that Skip Gene Wilder's character is can can also ride a mechanical bull, and that's where the plot is. is <laughs> The prison has a, a uh, yearly rodeo, okay. and it's a front for making extra money for the warden. The money is supposed to go to the prisoners, but he pockets it all. Yeah. So it's there's a whole corruption thing. Go- so Joe Beth Williams is in it, Craig T. Nelson, Barry Corbin, and, Banks. and a bunch of others that are usually Franklin and Jay. I never liked Franklin and Jay as a stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> Basically what happens is, is that the prisoners decide that they want to escape from so they're going to use the rodeo as to escape from it. Yeah. And Richard Pryor's character is the one that stays with the group to kind of keep the inmates together. Wilder's character is the one that, um, there's a scene in it where uh, Skip, they, they find out that there's this there's this thing going on. Skip is put back like solitary confinement. But instead of solitary, they hang him in chains, which seems to fix his back. Okay. So like, all this good shit keeps happening to him, you know? Okay. You know, it, he's basically falling uphill. He's <laughs> He's failing- He's failing upward, <laughs> right? Uh, the whole plot is the prisoners want to escape this corrupt place. The, the, they come up with a plan to leave the leave during the rodeo, uh, but this plan backfires because basically Skip care left. While this is going on, uh, the warden and his crony decide that they are going to kill Skip because he's too good. <laughs> it's fucking with their money. So every attempt to kill Skip, basically, they try to shoot him and he bends over at the right time and the <laughs> bullet goes over his head. This is what made Gene Wilder. Wilder and Pryor were so good as a that, you know, I mean, they were supposed to be in Blazing Saddles together. Yeah. But Cleveland Little is the because Richard Pryor's weight, especially at this. Um, while all this is going on, Skip's, Skip and Harry's attorney, this Wilder and Pryor's attorney, introduce introduce them to his partner who is going to help them try to get out of, out of jail. This is all a cover-up. It's a setup. You're ramrodded into jail. <laughs> so when they find out what's going on, Skip and Harry really make an attempt to get out of prison. Yeah. They find out that they have been... Um, so what they do is they make tools out of common everyday items in the metal shop, and then they get ready for the rodeo escape. While Garber, that's, his, that's their attorney, and his partner investigate uh, the whole robbery, which doesn't make any sense of getting a robbery. Um, Meredith, who is Garber's partner, gets hired at a local strip club and happens to find the real crooks there. <laughs> so she calls the lawyer who gets the cops involved, the robbers get ties everything up. And during the rodeo, <clears throat> Skip tries to talk the current champion into... T- he basically tells the champion, why do you want to continue being a tool when you know, you're just being used by these two people to make them money and you're not seeing a fucking penny of it? You know, Maybe you should really rethink your life. So as that's going on, the champ, this guy, the guy uh, Wilder talks to, the champion bull rider, uh-huh. decides that maybe he's right and, and he ends up winning the the rodeo, but he gives the money to the inmates. Well, while all this is going on, the group is able to escape. All the inmates that are friends with Wilder and Pryor head off to Mexico before Skip and Harry can make their <clears throat> make good on their escape. They're stopped by their lawyer before leaving, and he ends up telling them that the real crew been caught, so they're free to go. Right? <laughs> yeah. After they break out of prison. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a punishable offense. Right. So Harry and Skip decide to L.A., uh, head to L.A. Skip asks Meredith to come with him, and the three head off, which is, again, tying it up. What's just funny is this is the third biggest moneymaker of nine, behind 9 to 5, 
<laughs> Go figure that one out. That's dated as fuck, but that was a trendy movie for the time. And Empire Strike. Well, 9 to 5, Empowering Women. Yeah. Um, it currently sits at 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know if it's a 6 out of 10 type of movie, but you know, mine, I, I would have given it a 5, 5.5. It's better than enough. another you. Probably. Where we're a uh, uh, prior place of blind guy. <laughs> oh. Or no, um, wait. No, that was... um. See no evil, hear no evil. See no evil, hear no evil. Then there was another one called Another You by them, I think. Yeah, not everything pretty much in the 80s. Most movies in the 80s that Pryor was in wasn't that good. Yeah, except for moving, that was great. <laughs> um, the sad thing about it is, is that Gene Wilder basically, I mean, he's only been in a handful of movies, but the movies that he was in get talked about a lot. You know, Young Frankenstein, Sherlock Holmes' younger brother. and Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, especially, you know, the Frisco Kid, a couple of others. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't care for the movie that much. I do like Pryor and Wilder, but trailer where Pryor was saying, you know, we bad, we bad. Yeah. And then everyone copying it. Oh, that was from Silver Street. Uh, no. Huh, okay. And it annoyed the hell out of me, you know, because, you know, it's just one of those things. It's It's one of those catchphrases that people use in the wrong, and but at ten years old or nine years old, I'm like this. That people are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pryor and Wilder basically had that magical it factor. Too bad that they didn't get to work on more movies together. Or uh, the films that they were in had better writing. Yeah, exactly. They could have been the next uh, Hope and Crosby. Yeah, it works so well that the studios just dropped the ball. Uh, Wilder one, Pryor wanted to do shittier projects. Yeah, sir. Yeah, three was the one that he was because that's the one with the robot at the end. Superman four was just with <sighs> list. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. I, he played Gus Gorman. And he was in the toy. I like the toy. I watched the toy when it was on the uh, Bust and Loose like wasn't too bad. Ago. Dude, the toy seemed very racist to me. Brewster's How? seemed it seemed very racist. A fucking rich, super rich white guy hires a black man to take care of his son. Yeah, and, and just be his son's. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> seemed racist. <laughs> I was kid gloving it. Fuck you. Well, it may have been. It may have been a little racist. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I yes, bet you Jackie three. Gleason was all for it. <laughs> uh, some kind of hero. Grease Lightning. With, um, surprisingly good was JoJo Dancer, if you watched it. I never saw it, but I've heard good things. Um, it's my complete belief that because of Gilda Redditioner, Condition. condition. She had cancer. Uh, Wilder basically retired from life to care for. Yeah. Retired from the life. Um, she passed on. He wasn't really interested in doing anything. He did make try to make a comeback. Something Wilder. A couple of movies and this and that. But he basically didn't have anything left to prove. She was his light. Yeah. And yeah. just reached his death. At least he won't remember. He's dead. No, it wasn't a twofer. <laughs> At least he won't remember. Okay. All right. So you like the movie, but you don't. it's not the greatest. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got its moments. But, you know, it's it's one of those movies where right place, right time for both of them. Yeah. And it crushed it. All right. So um, there's only a couple things to talk about um, related or whatever. Just a couple trailers. I um, saw the full length uh, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, Dead Man, tell, Dead Men Tell No Tales trailer where you get to see uh, Captain Salazar, um, his character, Javier Bardem, before he becomes a ghost and how he gets set up by, you know, a young Jack Sparrow and, you know, gets killed. Um the trailer looks pretty good, except for one thing, and that thing is the young guy that was in the fir- in the last movie um, that played. He was like the you know the guy, the Bible thumper guy, the young kid who ends up falling for the mermaid. You see, you don't even remember Stranger Tides either. Um, he's in this movie as well, and it seems like he's going to be taking a big chunk of it with Jack Sparrow. And it just seems like they got the young guy in there just to appeal to the younger audiences, the young. And it just it, it's fucking annoying. To- you know, bring back, bring back the the guys that we like. You know, you know the the hello, puppet. You know those people. In where's Gibbs? Where's Master Gibbs? Dead. No, he's. <coughs> so anyway, that's my only problem so far with. Him. I hope it's gonna be better than. Uh, well, we'll see. You saw the Alien Covenant Red Band trailer. Um, I think they're giving away way too much in the movie of of the movie in the trailer. You know, they're showing way too much alien action in it. You know, xenophobe action or a xenomorph. Sorry. <coughs> you know, they're showing. Uh, you know. I thought this was going to be a sequel to Prometheus. This movie looks like more like it looks more like either an alien prequel, like you know what Prometheus was supposed to be, or it looks like an alien sequel. You know, it doesn't. I don't know. It, it looks like it's going to be good, but it just I don't know. It's kind of hard to find a little beat on it. You're waffle. All right. So lastly was uh you know the little short film that we saw before the trailer or before the film of Logan, which was the Deadpool some um, Deadpool sequel to uh, which was uh it, it when we saw it in the theater. It was pretty straightforward. 
you know, he's listening to, uh, you know. Just, what, what do you mean? It was, it was pretty straightforward. The one that they leaked footage. Yeah. Anyway, it was. Um, I understand what you meant by it was pretty straightforward. It just, I just mean that it's, it's not that different from the one that sh- they they put on YouTube where it's got extra stuff in it. There's just a couple differences. Like, yeah. for one, he's listening to a different song on his headphone. Right. Instead of, you know, because in the, the, the theater, we heard Angel in the Morning. And in the uh, extended version, you he's listening to St. Elmo's Fire. Right. Um, they show Stan Lee, right? And then also he calls the costume designer of the film about the costume. Yeah. The, while he's in the phone booth. Zip it, Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the whole um, synopsis for uh, the the old man uh, and the sea shows at the end, like really fast, it scrolls through it. And I guess that's supposed to be um, Deadpool being a sarcastic asshole by, you know, pretty much giving up the whole the whole premise of Logan. The Old Man in the Sea is a story of a fight between an elderly, accomplished fisherman, Santiago, really big, like, huge. The story opens with Santiago suffering 84 days without a fish because he's the unluckiest son of a bitch on planet Earth. Honestly, if you were in a boat for 84 days, it'd be hard not to catch a fish, even by accident. Santiago was so unlucky that his apprentice, Manolin, was forbidden by his mom and pa to fish with him. But as the Fresh Prince used to say, parents just don't understand. So the boy visits Santiago's shack anyway, ignoring the inherent risks of unsupervised playtime with an elderly man who talks to himself. (laughs) Manolin helps out, moving Santiago's fishing gear, making food, and talking about baseball. Especially Joe DiMaggio, who used to bump fuzzies with Marilyn. The next day, Santiago tells Manolin that he's going way out into the Gulf Stream, way out north of Cuba. (laughs) Lady Luck is returning on the 85th day. Of his crappy life. Santiago drops his lines and by noon gets a bite when he feels like a big, big-ass fish. He's sure it's a winner. He fights and fights and fights but can't pull the monster in. Santiago's leaky old boat is pulled by the fish for two days and holds on for dear life. Even though he's bloody and beat, Santiago begins to appreciate this mighty adversary. He starts calling him brother or even bro. It's sort of a love story if you really think about it. The most... Like most romantic comedies, the reader pictures the delightful out, followed by the inevitable interspecies. On the third day, Santiago's freaking exhausted and decides he just wants to fish. He wants to fish to do what he says and not always swim wherever only stabs it. The fucking harpoon. <coughs> Super gross. Blood everywhere. <coughs> because like many men his age, Santiago has difficulty expressing his emotions and fears with words instead of giving in to base desires and imposing his gigantically terrible position any given subject through violence. Anyway, he straps the marlin to the side of his skiff and hits the road home, ready to act like a total show-off to everyone and probably gouge people on the price. But guess what? Pretty soon, sharks begin to attack the bleeding marlin's carcass. Because, as you, we all know, life is a tragic opera, and just when you think you've finally found something good and true, sharks come along and rip it all to fucking shreds while dry-humping your dignity with their crazy, weird shark dick. <laughs> sure, Santiago tries killing a few of them, but he drops his harpoon because his hands are just as old as he is. By nighttime, the sharks have pretty much eaten the entire marlin. The bleach-white skeleton remains, silently mocking in the murky darkness. Santiago realizes he's still unlucky. Really unlucky. Duh. He calls the sharks dream killers, which isn't really all that fair. I mean, the sharks are just doing their job in the marlin. Jesus, don't even get me started on the marlin. It was just hanging out one day, minding its own business, maybe thinking about ways it could be a better provider for its family. And wham! Harpoon in the brain. Who's the dream killer now, fuckface? The hypocrisy is pretty much boundless at this point. Eventually, Santiago makes it ashore, leaving the bones of them in his boat. <coughs> he hobbles to his shack, makes it home, and crashes. Like I said, he's super tired. The next morning, a group of fishermen gather around Santiago's boat. One measures the skeleton, and holy shit, shingles, it's over 18 feet. The head of the fish is given to Pedrico. It's strange that this. And the other fishermen ask Man- Manolin to send their glad tidings to the old man. Manolin brings Santiago newspapers and coffee when he wakes, and they decide to fish together again. Many years later, there's a Red Lobster restaurant near Offering a casual dining experience. And- Seems like a Chuck Lorre rant in episode of Two Men. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, if you go see Logan, which we highly recommend, get there early enough so that you're there before the, the film starts so you can see the Deadpool teaser uh, trailer because it is awesome. All right, so um, the next movie that we will be talking about on a couple of average shows is an escape movie review podcast. I know, Mike, don't even. Uh, I'm uh, tired of fighting it, dude. Even I, I, I was like, right when I started saying it, I already knew I was. So. We will be talking about Skull Island, or the the retitled Kong Skull Island, because uh-huh. we weren't smart enough to know that it, them putting Kong on it. Uh, Kong. <laughs> so we will be seeing that film. We'll let you know how that is next week, and whatever uh, uh, flicks we pick, and whatever other whatever worthwhile whatever news comes up. So, Cinescape movie reviews. I am Just Beagle. Mike Sutherland. Catch y'all on the flip side. Okay. Good show! Jolly 
good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. This is the Cinescape Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening to the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email us or tweet us. My handle is at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. My handle. That's what I call it, my handle. You can tweet me at. You can send me a tweet at. Tweet me at. You can follow me. Fuck off. All right. Yeah, follow. You can you know, follow me or tweet me at. Send a tweet to. All right. Follow. Follow would be better. You can follow me on tweet, <laughs> Twitter. You can Twitter me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. And for me, it is at. What about you? MPS 5150 because I make it easy. Yeah, you do. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah. Yes. All you what do button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We Sp- prefer Facebook, but you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love, and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> share, uh, yeah. Share, share the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. Give her some love. I sound like little Nick. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> this is the end. It's the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.